Three things. Death, taxes, and the Harbaugh's finding a way to choke away big games. Uh, also, death, taxes, and neither Harbaugh brother knowing how to score uh, when they have the ball on the one-yard line. Ha! Got he! It's actually quite spectacular to watch. I, I, was, I myself was watching that game and couldn't help but laugh at the irony of the fact that not just one Harbaugh, but neither Harbaugh can figure out how to score within uh, a yard of the end zone. But of all the Sunday madness, and I'm sure you guys watched a lot of it, this was the most maddening. There's one thing that will always be true. The run game wins games. You have to run the damn ball. Your grandfather actually had a point once upon a time. There's actually one more thing that's still true. Players win games, coaches lose them. See, coaches have to put players in a position to win the game, but coaches also simultaneously can take players out of a position to win the game because they're just so f***ing stupid. With just over four minutes left to go in the second quarter, the Jacksonville Jaguars trailed the Los Angeles Chargers 27-0. to Justin Herbert had probably one of the better first halves of football he's ever had in his life and arguably his best postseason appearance through one half of football. That's an ass-kicking, and you're not even out of the first half. Trevor Lawrence did something that hasn't been done in a playoff game since the 1990s, and that was throw four interceptions in the first quarter. You know, they always say you can't win a game in the first quarter, but you can certainly lose one. Well, it felt like that was the situation here. So normally you would think if you have that big of a lead going into the second half, you're going to run the ball, right? Run the ball! And the reason why you're going to run the ball is because it wastes time. It takes time off of the clock. Therefore, it allows your team the chance to continue to waste down more and more clock and eventually waste out the rest of it. Waste out time completely. Brilliant! Brilliant! Even if you have to win by three points, you're going to do your best to use Austin Eckler to work him down the field, and to take as much time off that clock as you can. In other words, play smart, win the game. But the fact that Brandon Staley was lucky enough to not get Herm Edwards in the end zone after that game is beyond me. I thought the Michigan meltdown was bad. At least that meltdown happened right out of the gate. I had come to peace with it by the time halftime rolled around. This is inexcusable. Uh, I also said on Twitter, by the way, at Wangler underscore Nathan, if you want to go reference this, um, I responded to a post of who is the NFL coach of the year. Um, There were a lot of guys. Mike McDaniel was in the picture. There were a few others. Um, Salah was in the picture. Robert Salah. But they also had Doug Peterson. And I said Doug Peterson is the coach of the year in the NFL. And that was before this game. Brilliant! But it also comes down to Brandon Staley being an idiot. Let's not bash on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's a good quarterback. Maybe he had a bad half. But when you have a 75% drop back rate for the San Diego Chargers, when you are still airing the football out like it's the first quarter of the football game, you have a problem. It's not about burying the other team. It's about winning and advancing. And it's one thing if Jeff Saturday has a nuclear meltdown on a Sunday. We kind of expect that. But to do it in week one of the playoffs when you're up 27 to nothing with four minutes left to go until halftime, I'd be shocked if he doesn't lose his job. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. And remember, kids, just run the damn ball. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's What in the World with Wang on episode 78.
Matrix is not real. And neither are your delusions. I have to turn my page. Hold on. Uh, Logan Paul recently tweeted uh, out about how the Matrix is real. And you better pray, hope and pray that the Matrix doesn't come for you or make you its next victim. Logan also had a pig that was found abandoned, nearly dead, next to another pig that was already dead. Several different scandals over the course of the last few weeks. I really don't care talking about this clown. The fact of the matter is, is that he uses the Matrix as an excuse. Andrew Tate, he branded women property of Tate or something along those lines. He literally had women branded. Whether they wanted him to do that or not, that's kind of fucked up, the, uh, the fact that he would do that. Um, and basically, his entire following is impressionable young men who hate themselves. Listen, if you're an Andrew Tate fan, I want to give you a hug. Okay, free hugs. And don't worry, it doesn't make you any sort of way to give another man a hug, I promise. Okay? Um, it's okay. It's okay to cry about it. It's okay to cry about it to other people. You're loved. Uh, and the fact that you feel angry and, and, and resentful and um, all women suck because of feminism or some weird shit like that doesn't make it any more true. It's still a delusion. Um, you're just projecting it on other people, right? But here's the thing, right? Delusion drives people. But delusions are still freaking delusions. No one likes accountability. That's the issue we're dealing with here. Nobody wants to admit that maybe the world is just random and cruel and things happen to people, unfair things that we don't think should happen. They happen all the time. Maybe that's the issue here. We're not willing to admit that we live in an imperfect world and an imperfect society and that things just freaking happen. And it's not because there's some sort of issue with the culture. Things are different. We can't say they're better. We can't say they're worse. There isn't some shadow group out there that's trying to hold you back. We're not living in a simulation. There aren't NPCs. Everybody has different experiences, which means everybody will act differently. And there's probably medical conditions that we don't know about quite yet because science is not a perfect science, if you will. My advice to those people who believe in the Matrix and believe in all this other stuff, touch grass. Go outside. Ride a bike. Go for a walk. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody you haven't met before. Try to learn something about somebody else. Because when you actually meet someone personally, you come to understand that they're not just NPCs moving around. You just don't have any fucking social skills. That's the issue with the world today. No one talks anymore. And if they talk in full sentences, they don't spell correctly, and they use the wrong form of their and your. And then it just pisses me off, and I don't like talking to those types of people anyway. So, here we are. Also, my advice to men in general, uh, be better. Mental health should be the top priority. I realize I don't prioritize it where I should be. That's okay. We're getting there. Whatever. We can talk about that another time. Probably have a mental health episode coming up in a little bit. But I need, every, I need, the, I need the guys out there to realize that top G isn't going to solve your issues. Top G wants you to be sad and insecure because if you're confident and you love yourself, you're not going to follow a motherfucker like that. You're not. Okay? Mental health. You're loved. Admit that you're loved. Talk to somebody when you need to talk to somebody. All right? Uh, and for maybe some of the spiritual people out there, some of the people that actually believe in this stuff, uh, the devil tried to befriend Jesus. The, the devil tried to uh, offer Christ everything. 
Look at this fucking what you can have this if you just follow me. You can have all of this uh, if you're just my best friend and and you like and you subscribe um, and you share my videos and you continue to pay me all the money, the ridiculous amounts of money that you're paying me um, so that I can go and live in a place where I can just use women as sex slaves and objects and work out all day and, and drink protein from a cow's nipple. I don't know. Some weird shit like that, right? Um the like and subscribe, follow me, be my friend. That's what the devil said to Jesus. So, um, you know, I know there's some people that listen to this. I know there's some people that follow this that, uh, you know, might, might like the guy, but it just remember that stuff. Dude's a clown. <laughs> Speaking of Andrew Tate, this will be a short one. Uh, top G is a garbage human. If you don't think so, again, we talk, if you don't think so, again, we talked about delusions, uh, and unfollow me. Don't follow this podcast. Don't listen. I don't want you to listen anyway. <laughs> I'm going to give you a scenario. Spoiled child, here's a few hints. Spoiled child, head trauma, head case, never held accountable ever in his life for being a shit human being because he's good at what he does, which is being an NFL wide receiver. Who am I talking about? It's not Antonio Brown. Good guess, though. Uh, No, Odell Beckham Jr., actually. uh, Got drunk, tried flying commercial out of Miami to Los Angeles, um, apparently was so drunk that the stewardesses and the people on the flight, the flight attendants, uh, people who were working on whatever particular flight it was on, thought he was ill, uh, so believed that it was probably best to remove him from the plane because he was not going to be able to fly all the way from fucking Miami to L.A., across the country. I don't know how many hours. Commercial, by the way. Not not private. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. flying commercial. I don't know what's wrong about this 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 site. More on that in a little bit. Um, gets told to leave, won't leave, drunk and disorderly. Um, cops have to come. Again, in multiple minutes, 30, 40 minutes go by. Cops have to come. He doesn't ha- he doesn't want to go. Um, so therefore, the entire plane, as he's standing there, actively saying, "I don't care." They say this entire plane is going to have to get off if you don't won't move. He goes, "Okay, so be it." And everybody has to get off the plane. One guy speaks up. One guy in the crowd speaks up. And uh, OBJ says, it's fine. I'll just, I'll fly. You guys can get off. Um, I'll fly private out of here. And then you guys will have to be delayed uh, and wherever you go. Again, I'm paraphrasing. I, uh, it took one guy. Why, first of all, why is one guy the only one that speaks up? See, here's this here's this affinity for celebrities that we have in America that I will just never understand. When that motherfucker gets up in the morning, he puts his pants on one leg at a time. When he goes to bed, he has nightmares just like you. When he's alone by himself, he has mental health issues just like you. He has an Instagram, a social media just like you. He gets up and probably eats foods just like you. Yeah, he can go to an expensive restaurant. Sure, he doesn't wear the same clothes you wear. A lot of stuff about his life that's a lot different than yours. A lot more followers. But he's a human being at the end of the day. Why is there not one more person on that plane that says, Hey, motherfucker, I don't care how much money you make. Get your fucking ass off the plane. Like, it, it, like, it, like congrats. It, someone else won you a Super Bowl. Okay, I, I, I don't. It doesn't add up with me. You know what's funny is, you know, there was that TikTok trend going around for a while. Um, I, I'm pretty sure people are still doing it, but 
Um, you read, you know, it's essentially as you find a celebrity, and people will find, you know, members of their family that have an affinity for the celebrity, um, and they'll go, they'll videotape them, and they'll say so-and-so dead at whatever age. And they'll videotape the, the reactions of the people on the other end, family members, whoever it is that they're saying it to, and just, just distraught, just absolutely beside themselves. Oh my God, how could this, how could this happen? I will say for the older people, maybe it is nostalgic in a way. It reminds them of their childhood. So that's where some of it comes from. Um, but I was asked the question, what celebrity would you react that way for? What athlete would you react that way for? Uh, none of them. <laughs> none of them. It, it, it's sad. It's sad when someone loses a life. I will never say it's not sad. Anybody losing their life. I mean, I mean, even, you know, the queen dying. I mean, there's, there's people in parts of the world that thought, well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, historically speaking. But it's still sad. It's still somebody's grandmother. It's still, you know, you get my point. But I don't know these people personally. They don't know me. Why, why do they give a damn about me? I don't care if they make a lot of money. I don't care if they play sports well. I don't care if they make money well. I don't care if they make music well. I don't think it's because I'm a psycho either. They, they don't know you. And, and you're going to sit there and, and get emotional and cry and scream because of a, a death of a... People die every day. Like, imagine meeting that person. And, and this is my biggest fear and. You know, I know, I know, I know that not everybody gets to meet their biggest celebrity. I, I, I don't really have a celebrity crush or someone that I really look up to like that, like a Harry Styles level for you know the typical white girl out there. I don't have someone like that. I really don't. But you know, for me, it's like, you know, Lance Armstrong used to be one of my favorites. Dude was he was top G in my mind. Um. I just, I love the bracelets. I love his persistence, what he was able to do. Obviously, this was before I knew about any of the drugs and any of, you know, that other stuff. So you, you can't really judge me for that. And I was a kid, so I didn't really understand, right? But I think about, you know, what if I met him? You know, what if he didn't do that and I got the chance to meet him? And it turns out he was the actual Lance Armstrong that is described in the documentaries, he's the, he's the Lance Armstrong that was described by the people that were close to him, that rode on his team. He's a dick. I mean, he was a, he was a bad person. He was a bad man. He was a bad, I'm, I'm not going to say human being. I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and I, I have no right to say that any human is worse than any other human. But in a lot of ways, Lance Armstrong was not a good person in any stretch of the imagination he was not a good dude to his teammates to his wife to his family to other people Lance Armstrong was just was just kind of a douche you know what I mean so it's like what if I met Lance and, and he wasn't a nice guy you don't know these people I get you can be sad but the the affinity that Americans really have for celebrities whether it be sports uh, uh, music it's this it's this economy that this capitalistic economy they've created a situation where we're just I don't want to say sheep. I sound like a stoner when I say that, but it's just it's weird. It's weird. You know what I mean? 
Like, yeah, if I developed a relationship with a celebrity and they died, I would be destroyed. I, I, you know, I know that person on a personal level. I know, I, you know, not just through their YouTube or their Instagram or, you know, them catching a 99-yard pass. Why do I care? You know, that I. this is a real rabbit trail. No offense. O, Odell Beckham Jr. shouldn't be able to fly commercial anymore. That's just, that's the point of what I was trying to say. That fucking douchebag should just, get on his private plane and fly everywhere with his fucking big mouth. Okay? Stupid. We pay we th- those people pay good money to see your ass play. Maybe not in, maybe not in Miami, but elsewhere. You know, the people on that plane are the ones that are spending their fucking life savings to go watch NFL games and and, and you're going to act entitled and self-righteous about getting off the plane because you're inebriated. No, they don't get held accountable. Celebrities don't. So that's why I get angry, you know. I'm not going to be destroyed if if one of them dies. If I know him personally, yeah, but outside of that, not really. So my, I know my listeners are going to love this one. Uh, so Michigan has a lot of players returning next year. A lot, I mean, a lot of players returning next year. A lot of players that they wanted uh, to return next year. Uh, one of them being Blake Corum. Uh, arguably the best running back in the country. I think if he had a chance to run against Ohio State, probably would have won the Heisman Award. Uh, But there are a handful of players that are coming back for one more year next year, and it's kind of shocking because you figured a lot of them were going to leave. Blake Corum, Trevor Keegan, Zach Zinter, and Cornelius Johnson. And you know what's odd about all this is the fact that there was an actual management group that was set up as an NIL collective supported by the athletic department to bring these players back. It's known as Valiant Management, and it was founded by none other than my second cousin, Jared Wangler. You know, it's really been at the forefront of merchandising and thinking outside of the box. Well, on Sunday, it launched the One More Year Fund. Is aimed at raising, essentially it was raising enough money to make it lucrative for those players that would have otherwise gone to the NFL to come back in playing college football. See, this is the leverage of NIL that I don't think people really understand. If there's enough money to go around in college football while you still develop, why not take it? You know what the odd thing about all that is? They were focused on these specific players when they started the fund. And isn't it ironic that all of them are actually returning for another year? Sorry, I also thought of something on the way home. You know what's interesting is I think that this will also create a scenario where schools and communities will try to outbid each other in order to retain talent. I mean, we knew it was going to be a rat race uh, for donors to try and find as much money they can pull together in order to get talent, but now I think it's going to divulge into a competition between schools and universities to see who can have the most public funding to keep their athletes. I mean, we're going to see how dedicated the uh, other school across the way in in East Lansing really is uh, when it comes to crowdfunding in order to retain uh, some potential NFL players. But I think there's bigger implications outside of just this simple story um, of this organization raising this money. But the fact that Michigan football actually started a crowdfunding campaign to retain key players is a new move in the NIL sphere that I don't think anybody else has tried before. In fact, this is going to open a lot of opportunities for athletic programs that I don't think they had before. 
the ability to go out and just essentially ask people for money in order to bring players back to the University of Michigan to play as opposed to getting drafted in the NFL is ginormous. Now, no matter of what you think of NIL, good or bad, all the money floating around, I will be the first one to say that I appreciate it. I think it's good that players are making money, and I think if you're willing to sacrifice your body every single Saturday, you should get something in return. But I think this whole NIL thing is becoming something bigger than we ever thought it was going to be before. And in a way, it's kind of cool to see the University of Michigan blazing a new trail. And not only that, but my cousin Jared, who I've I'm, maybe I met in person, but I think I met him in person before. I don't know. I, 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 I was probably a lot younger, but I saw him on TV. So that's important. So Jared, if you heard this, I saw you on TV. Also, my dad makes frequent trips down there, and he never tells me about it. So, you know, that's on him. Also important to keep in mind, though, really seems like a lot of those headlines about Jim Harbaugh are kind of blown out of proportion. You know what's magnificent about all those rumors and all those reports and everything else that everybody was saying about Jim Harbaugh? It was kind of a no-shit scenario. If you're a head coach in college football and you go out and win back-to-back conference titles and go to the playoffs back-to-back years, people are going to want you as their head coach. The NFL wants Jim Harbaugh back. He already went to a Super Bowl once upon a time. And yeah, you know what? Big game Jimbo is still big game Jimbo. I understand he won back-to-back against Ohio State, but I also understand he's always choked in the biggest games of his career, minus an Orange Bowl once upon a time. But all the rumors about him going to the NFL, I think, can pretty much be put to rest. But if he ever ends up but if he ever ends up deciding to go to the league, which could happen as soon as next year, or maybe this year if he decides to drop the bomb on us, you need to be prepared. Hire outside of the program. Don't hire another Michigan man. Last thing we need is a Brady Hoke nightmare. And that's it for episode 78 of the Hanging with Wang podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe. I appreciate everybody that comes back and listens. Uh, Make sure that you follow us on Instagram at Hanging with Wang. And TikTok. That too. I'm going to do my best with posting. No guarantees, guys. Episode 78. We'll be back for 79 next time. Uh, on the Hanging with Wayne podcast. See ya.